The Bo Show. Sometimes there's more than one reason to use a public rest stop. It was always this buffet of cars with these men in them that were all there for the same reason. It all begins with a parking spot, a look, and boys being boys. We're guys. We know immediately whether or not you want to hook up. We're not there to uh, meet our soulmates. What's happening in the woods just beyond the parking lot? I saw maybe 15 men leaning up against trees. Some of them had already paired off. Married men, religious men, all types of men looking for something that's missing. They were desperate for any kind of male interaction where they can completely be themselves and talk. What price are you willing to pay for sex? (laughs) Anonymous sex and public restrooms on The Bo Show. Honest conversation from really honest people. The Bo Show. We've seen it in the headlines. 20 men arrested in highway rest stop sexting. We've seen political leaders fall because of it. Idaho Senator Larry Craig in a Minneapolis airport restroom. Men having anonymous sexual encounters in public places. And it's just not openly gay men participating, although we're often the ones who get blamed or stereotyped. It's married men on their way home from work, Catholic priests, even former New Jersey Governor Jim McGreevy. Having sex at public rest stops. Apparently, there's a science to it, and on today's Bo Show, we have a man who's done it, enjoyed it, and now he's talking about it. Jack, thanks for coming on the Bo Show. Thank you. How are you today? Great, how are you? Good. I want to say thank you first off because this is a very, you know, private story. We never hear this side of the story from the gay man. We just hear it on the news from the police or reporters, so it's nice to have you here. Thanks. Absolutely. So I just want to dive right into this. How does the idea of going to a public place to have sex enter your mind? Well, for me, it really never did. Uh, It's something that kind of happened by chance. One night I was on my way home from college, was driving, stopped at a rest stop to do my normal business and uh, noticed that there was another truck a little further down the uh, lot. It was nighttime. It was probably like 9, 930 at night. And uh, I noticed that he saw me walk past his truck and I got back into my car. And when he saw that, he actually turned his car on, pulled out and moved down the lot and parked directly next to me. Were you scared at that moment? Because the first thing I would think of is this person is coming at me in a weird way. This is not normal. That's not normal behavior. Right, exactly. When I had stepped into my car, I was just fixing my CDs. I was getting ready. I really didn't notice. I saw that he was pulling out. I didn't really think anything of it until he pulled back in. And at that point, I knew that it was the same car that was parked 15 spots away just moments before. It did freak me out at first, absolutely. But I I knew I was in my car, and if I really had to, I could turn the ignition and get out of there as soon as possible. (laughs) And I guess then the next step would be he gave you a look, and then from that point on, it just grew. As soon as he pulled in, he looked at me, and and it was definitely one of those looks instinctually that you know they're not there to, to hurt you. He was interested in something completely different. This is your first encounter. You didn't plan it. No. You just kind of stumbled across it. So your mind must have been racing. What were you feeling? I became very nervous very quickly because I didn't know what to do. I knew that the feeling inside was like this weird, exhilarating, never done this before kind of feeling. I was very young at the time. How old were you? I was 17. And you were aroused by this? Absolutely. Was this your first gay encounter? 
it was not my first gay encounter. I had two previous gay encounters, having grown up in a small town in northern New York. The idea of gay sex really wasn't prevalent. So at this point, I didn't have a lot of experience, but this was something new, something I'd never thought of before. And I should have probably just turned the car on and left, but I did not. So what did you do? Did you get out of your car and go over to his? Did you wave him over and say, hey, come on over here? Or how does this work? At that point, I didn't really know how to communicate with him. So I tried just to feel out the situation. So I took some garbage from my car and I stepped out of the car and I walked over to the garbage that was in front of his truck and threw it out. At that point, he exited his truck. At that point, I don't even know what would be going through my mind. I would be so nervous. I would be scared. I don't think I'd be feeling exhilarated. So what does he do? He approached me. He just said, hey, how are you? We just had a friendly conversation. Like, how's the weather? Oh, the weather's great today. <laughs> Very much like that. Yes, absolutely. Then, then was it like, oh, I have a magazine or I have some cookies in my car. <laughs> do, you no. want, do you want to come and have some milk with me in my, <laughs> in my truck? Yeah, it, it really didn't even go much further beyond that at that point. He got back in his truck and he asked me if I would get in on the passenger side and I refused. Thank God, because to me, that sounds so dangerous yes. and so scary. Yeah, it, it definitely was. And that's why I think, well, the, some better judgment in that respect to uh, step away from the situation. But I did stand at his driver's side window because he was, it was in a truck, so I could comfortably stand there. He undid his pants. He pulled them down. And <laughs> I kind of freaked out and I left. So you didn't do anything? I didn't do anything. So that was the end of it. And wow, he was probably first off really disappointed by this. Yes. But you hop in your car and you leave. Correct. So then you're thinking about this? Oh, absolutely. I went I, the rest of the way home. I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, what, what is this that they do? The seed just was planted. Yes. And eventually something was going to grow out of this. That is a very good way of saying that. <laughs> <laughs> so you were marinating in this. Did you eventually go back to the rest stop to actually have sex? I went to a new place. And from the first instance, it was probably a few weeks before I had the opportunity to try it out again. So how would you even find this place? Online? At the time, I assumed that all rest stops had gay sex. And were you finding that to be the case? In most of them, yes. Really? Absolutely. Every rest stop has gay sex. <laughs> not every <laughs> rest stop. Wow. There, there have been a few that I've encountered that did not. Or they didn't at the time. I mean, it depends on the time you hit the situation. So you would just drive up to a rest stop and hope that this one might actually have other men looking for sex there too? If not, then you would just keep driving to the next one to actually find another rest stop? For me, it really was completely hit or miss whether or not you would come across other individuals there looking to hook up. Tell me about the first time. How do you prepare for this? Do you like put on cologne or you're like, I want to no. like go on a date? Or... No, not at all. Actually. <laughs> I don't know. I believe the first time I went was I, when I figured out there was a rest stop down the highway from the train station that I took home from work every day. Okay, so you found out that there was this place there, and you thought, oh, goody, yep. this, this is my candy store. Exactly, exactly. And uh, so one night I got home off the train, and I just said, oh, let me just go see what the scene's like over here. And that was the first time when I drove into this particular rest stop. I noticed immediately that there were a line of cars towards the end of the lot. I read a newspaper article on this very subject, and they actually said that there's a protocol to this, and it's kind of like a mating call, and it's parking positions, there's flashing headlights, there's blinkers. Mm -hmm. So this is true. Absolutely, yes. So you pull into this rest stop. Well, I pulled in, and having not known any of these particular protocols, I 
just started to look around. I pulled in slowly. There's always the main house where the restrooms are. You know so much about restrooms. (laughs) (laughs) This is so interesting. So I pulled past that, and I think a lot of it's very instinctual. I think as men, we're all very instinct-driven, and I noticed a line of cars towards the end. There was a gap between the families that were parked near the main house and the ones parked down near the dumpster. And so I figured I'd take my chances and park somewhere like 70% down the way. This sounds kind of trashy. <laughs> it definitely is. Down by the dumpster. <laughs> exactly. So you go down to the dumpsters and right. you see all these men hanging out. The first thing, you don't even notice that there's anybody even sitting in their car. I pulled in next to the first car that I saw and there was definitely a man sitting in the driver's seat. At that moment, I had noticed two or three men exiting the woods that were across the field from us, directly in front of the parking lot. That happens a lot, too. I remember about two years ago in New Jersey, there was a whole sex thing that happened where men were having sex in the woods, and there would be men standing outside of the woods, like keeping guard to make sure that you could go in there and have sex. So you see all this going down, and you're interested. You're like, I'm here for this. Yes, Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. My intention was never to have full-on intercourse during this situation. And through the couple years that I participated, I never did. It was more just a sense of exhilaration when you showed up. And there was just always this pit in your stomach. And for lack of a better term, it was always this buffet of cars with these men in them that were all there for the same reason. I remember what I read. It said you drive through and you kind of take a look. You see which guy looks good to you in a car. You drive around and then what you do is you pull in next to the one that you like and you look at each other and if he signals you, you're like, okay, it's on. Or if he ignores you, you're like, okay, I think I'm going to try tomatoes instead of the cucumber today at the huge buffet, the salad buffet. (laughs) Exactly. So you would pull up to someone that you would choose Mm -hmm. and look. We would definitely exchange glances. We're guys. We know immediately whether or not you want to hook up. We're not there to uh, meet our soulmates. Without being explicit, let's get into the first encounter, the real encounter where you went to one of these stops and you took part in the festivities. Again, I came home on the normal evening train from the city. I got off, got into my car, went to the rest stop, parked as usual. This time I knew I was comfortable enough to actually participate. I saw a man walking into the woods that I hadn't even made eye contact with. Did you find him attractive? Absolutely, yes. So the wheels are in motion. So I got up the courage because it was during the summer and uh, the sun stays out a little later. So it was definitely light out at this point. And I got out of my car and I casually walked into the woods, into the area that I saw him go into. My hand is on my forehead right now because this sounds so unsafe. Absolutely, yeah. You're just walking into the woods. Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, probably at the time, it's a very low self-esteem. Most of these, I shouldn't impose that upon them, but I would say a lot of it has to do with low self-esteem. And you put yourselves in these situations that you wouldn't normally put yourself in. Low self-esteem, one, maybe for you because you are an open gay man, Jack. But the thing is, some of these other men, we're going to get into it, they may not be gay. So these are desperate men looking for quick, anonymous sex. So that's a whole other level that we're going to yes, get into. Yes. Okay, so you go into the woods. I go into the woods. I was shocked by what I saw in the woods, just maybe 15, 20 feet into the woods. What did you see? I saw maybe 15 men leaning up against trees. Some of them had already paired off. It was a whole little party going on back there. Wow. Yes. Your eyes must have popped out of your head. It was the first time in my life I had ever seen anything quite like that. 
What's your next step? As soon as I walked in, I noticed the guy that I had originally noticed walking into the woods, and he was alone. So I walked up to him, and he actually just said to me, Kay, what's up? And uh, Toller responded to him. And immediately, I mean, the pleasantries are very, very short. And he, he started kissing me. And it went from there. We didn't hook up at that location. We actually went much deeper into the woods because it was these guys were really playing with some fire here. You could see the street. Wow. Yeah. So we went probably a couple hundred feet into the woods, which now that I'm saying it doesn't sound very safe at all. I was just going to say to you, what is going through your head? Because first off, something that I would think of as being a gay man is, is this a setup A for, you know, a big gay bashing? Um, B... I don't even know what this guy is capable of. He could be one of the most dangerous people in the world, and, and you don't even know. Again, it was, it was something in my instincts that I knew that he wasn't there for that. He was looking for the same thing everybody else there was looking for. So, you know, I'm not a fool. I'm not stupid. So you go deep into the woods right. and you do your activity. Right. So, exactly. Were you safe? Are men typically safe in these situations? I have witnessed other people having intercourse, and I've always witnessed them being safe. I never had sex. Wow, you must have been really up close to notice how safe they were being. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's another part of it. Sometimes you didn't always have to partake. You could just watch. And these guys were cool with that. Absolutely. You know what? That's really interesting to me because you would think that they're going out to the woods because they don't want to go to a gay bar, A, but they don't want people to know who they are. But to have other men just watching them, don't you think that people might be fearful that word's going to spread and someone might know my wife, someone might know my kid? Yeah, I I always thought of that. I always wondered whether or not I would see like a family friend there. And I guess I should say that because most of the people that went weren't my age at the time. Again, I was 17, 18 years old. These men were in their 30s, 40s, or they were really a wide variety of ages. Talking about the men in particular, I want to reference that article I read in 2005 again. And they interviewed a man who went to these rest stops or went out into the woods. And he said a lot of these men, they would have wedding rings on. There would be baby seats in the back seat of their cars. There would be baby toys all over the floor. So these are men who are in the real life straight, married, have children, decent jobs, driving fancy cars. So they just are desperate to be gay, but they can't be. I think that's 100% true. I would say 90 to 95% of the men that I encountered during the couple years that I was doing this were married and or with children. How many years collectively did you do this? I would say six years. So six years. So you got pretty familiar with these kind of activities going on at the rest stops, and you have a good idea of what kind of man was going there, and you probably even chatted with them. So tell me a little bit about the men you were meeting and the lives they were living. The one thing I always notice, um, because yes, after a while, after I got over the initial, I'm just here to hook up, I got really interested in who these people were because I kept, I just started asking them, like, are you married? And they all said yes. They all were married. And they were very open about that. Did you ever ask, why are you here? I never did because I always knew why they were there. I wasn't stupid. I knew the place I was living. I mean, it's very affluent. It's very conservative. I knew that they were there because that was their only option. Did you ever uh, hook up with one of these married men? Yes. How did you feel about that? Did you ever feel guilty knowing that this man was then going to go home to a woman? I believe what I always told myself is that this wasn't my responsibility. If you ask me that now, would I do it? No. 
How long was an encounter? I'd imagine it'd be pretty quick and speedy so these guys could maybe get home. They might have called their wives and said, hey, I'm going to be another hour, hour and a half at the office today. But so it would be pretty quick. It'd be like, hi, do it. Bye. Sometimes, yes. A lot of times, no. Sometimes these guys wanted to hang around and talk to you before anything physical ever occurred. They were desperate for attention. They were desperate for any kind of male interaction where they can completely be themselves and talk. I found myself many times talking to a guy for an hour before anything happened. Maybe nothing ever did happen. Maybe we just left. That's another interesting thing that you just brought up there, that these men are so lonely and that being gay was never an option to them. And they chose to go a whole different route with their life. But then these few short moments with you, they could finally be themselves. Right. And they always knew I was very open about the fact that I was not married, that I was in college and that I was openly gay. You were their fantasy because that's probably where they were suffering from maybe arrested development and wish that they were still in college and still having sex with men who were in college. Yeah. And for me, it was very easy. They all wanted a young guy. So for me, it was very easy to meet people very quickly or meet multiple people on one occasion. Multiple people at one rest stop at one time. So tell me about these guys. What were some of the other things that they would say to you? A lot of the times they would talk about what they do for a living. A lot of them wanted to see me again. A lot of them were very interested in keeping in touch with me, taking my number, hanging out. So they wanted to go beyond the rest stop. They wanted to go on dates. Yes. Maybe motels, hotels eventually too. I had been propositioned quite a few times to go to meet at for a second time at a motel. Did you ever do a second time? Never. You were just a first meet greet kind of boy? Exactly. I mean, there was definitely people that you would see multiple times. I was going to ask that. I was going to say, were you like a regular where you drive in like a uh, blue car and you see, uh, you know, a uh, pickup truck that's always there? Do you like wave at each other and say, hey, buddy, I've seen you before? No, not really. You never recognize the fact that you could have either hooked up with this person previously, that you have talked to each other. Every day starts a new blackboard of stuff to do. So there's that many men that are doing this that it's not the same crop of guys each and every time. Correct. So from what I understand, there's kind of a science behind it when you drive into one of these rest stops. So tell me about it. How do you go into the rest stop and you know that this is what I have to do to get from A to B? It definitely was a science. When I pull in, the first thing I would do is look around to see if anything looks suspicious to me. A lot of the time, you always had to watch out for truck drivers, the guys that drive the the really big trucks. Mm -hmm. The 18 wheelers. Uh, Exactly. So sometimes they would park behind and they could, if they wanted to, call the cops. I eventually got very good. So I knew to go straight to a parking spot towards the end, but not too far towards the end. I always liked staying probably around the 70% away from the down the parking lot because I always wanted to make sure that had any police officer did come by, I very potentially be there just taking a nap, just going to get a soda, just going to the bathroom and being on my way. You really planned this out. You get it down. You knew what you had to do. Of course, parking 70% of the way, you couldn't see everybody. So there were definitely things that I had to do that maybe other people didn't. But I think everybody pretty much did the same kind of techniques. What did you have to do that other people didn't have to do? I would always get out of my car, stretch, walk down on the sidewalk there. There was a sidewalk right in front of the cars. Lift up your shirt and scratch your belly. (laughs) No, no. And you would just take notice. And it was, you know, a lot of the guys may have been out, out of the cars. They may have been sitting at the picnic tables. You knew that if the car was empty, they were probably in the woods. So you could immediately take account of how many people were out here, how many people were in the woods. Is it worth my time to go in and even check it out? 
sometimes I wouldn't even wait for somebody to go to the woods. You could go in yourself. You would always look up and down though to make sure that no family saw you going in. You had to be very steady in your pace and just go for it. You couldn't hesitate. You didn't want to look suspicious. You had to walk into the woods as if you belonged in the woods. Like you had a purpose. Exactly. Be like, you know, there might be a restroom over there, but I need to take care of my business inside the woods. Right. Or I'm going on a nature walk, whatever. Oh, of course. Exactly. (laughs) I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of the times when I would be walking back up towards my car, guys would come out of their car. They would greet me. They would roll down their windows. And if I really liked somebody, you would just go up to their window and start talking to them like, hey, what's up? And you you would find out very quickly who is there for what purpose. So, Jack, when are the hot times to go? There are really two specific times that you will always find people there. Absolutely Monday through Friday, anytime right after work. Usually actually more Monday through Thursday. Rush hour times. Rush hour time, around 7 o'clock, 7 to 9 o'clock. At nighttime but never in the morning? In the morning it could happen, but most people, I, I I never noticed that. The other time was, surprisingly, very late nights on the weekends. Like incredibly late, like 12 to 3 in the morning on a weekend. For instance, say you go late at night when it's dark outside. Is there a whole different set of rules that you're supposed to use as far as your lights, your headlights? If it was at night, you would flash your lights to let them know if you were potentially interested. I remember from that article that I read in the New York Times that some people would say that they weren't even gay, that they were just bored. Did you ever come across that in your experiences with these rest stop sex situations? That happened quite often, yes. I never really believed them because there are definitely other ways to cure boredom. I remember something Dr. Drupinski said during that whole Larry Craig sex scandal in the Minneapolis airport bathroom. And he said there's a class of man out there who doesn't consider himself gay, but he considers himself to be a man who just has sex with men. I'm not gay, but I just sleep with men occasionally. Um, I mean, I can't speak to each and every person. Maybe that's true for some. It certainly wasn't true for me. Uh, And I would say that it's probably not true for most of the guys that actually say it. What did you get from this? Why did you do it? After a while, it became less and less about the act of hooking up and became more about the exhilarating rush you felt every time you went. I mean, it was dangerous. You didn't know who you were going to meet. You didn't know if this was going to be the last time you were ever going to do it because a cop was going to be there. You never knew. And there was something dangerous about all that. And there was something that felt really amazing about kind of just throwing caution to the wind and doing that. And uh, for somebody like me who really didn't have that growing up, this was really the first time that I let myself kind of go crazy and do whatever what made me feel good. Overall, how many times do you think you did this? Over the six years? uh was it a weekly thing where you you showed up every week or maybe Well, even... you know, it honestly I don't remember. I mean, it's been so long now, but I mean, it, there were definitely weeks I would wouldn't go or there would be weeks I would go 3 to 4 times a week. And it wasn't always this one rest stop. I mean, it, after a while it became multiple rest stops. I knew going anywhere, like especially in New Jersey, you could go anywhere in New Jersey. And, so you weren't territorial. No, 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 no. So nowadays when you drive past a rest stop, do you ever feel a little like, ooh, maybe? (laughs) No, actually I don't. Anytime I do have the opportunity to drive by this particular rest stop, I always take notice of the cars towards the end. And I always take notice of the cars parked near the dumpster. And they're still there. They're still there. The men doing the same old things that other men did before them. Yes. uh, It's definitely far and few between, a lot less. I mean, when I was doing this, it wasn't making headlines. I didn't think many people even knew about it. So therefore, for me, I got to do it in its prime because there was really very little worry when I was doing it. 
So it may not have been in the papers when you were actually partaking in these rest stop sex situations, but there had to be times when cops would maybe drive by just to patrol the rest stop just to make sure, you know, it was safe and there wasn't anything dangerous going on. Were there ever cops near you? It was not uncommon for cops to drive by. It's something that happened. I definitely had an encounter once with a cop. A cop came to your car and yelled at you? Yeah, and I was actually, the ironic part of it was that I wasn't doing anything and wasn't doing anything suspicious at the time. And it wasn't at the rest stop that I had normally gone to. I was literally driving somewhere, stopped to actually use the restroom. (laughs) And as I was pulling out, I received a call that I was waiting for, and I pulled back in. I was on my cell phone, and a cop car came barreling behind me. He jumped out of his car and came up to my window and was like banging on my window and accused me of trying to elicit sex at the rest stop. And what did you say? At that point, I was very honest. I wasn't there to do that at all. I was actually on the phone with my friend. You should have been the officer if you were here two nights ago. <laughs> exactly. I would totally be the guy you'd be arresting. But as of right now, clearly, I'm just using the bathroom. Right, exactly. And he really, and he knew he had nothing on me. I was very nice. And he let me go. He was just saying, if I ever see you here again, like, I'm going to arrest you. And I was like, that's fine. I had done nothing wrong. <laughs> that was your wake-up call? That wasn't my wake-up call. That was pretty bad, though. Okay, so then you continued frequenting these rest stops. Right. I believe that happened towards the end, though, because I stopped participating once I actually was out of college, moved to the city myself, and that wasn't something I really needed to do anymore. Before today, did you ever talk to anybody about this, ever share it with anyone, or was it always a secret just for you? I kept it a secret for probably three years. And then I remember I got drunk one night and told a couple of my close, close friends. And to this day, we still talk about it because they're all very interested in what used to happen. And then I discovered that one of my friends who I had told was doing the same thing, just in a different location. So this is common. I I mean, I read it in the news about, you know, a group of men arrested, a 30 here, 50 there, you know. Yeah. But it happens. Anything ever happen at your location? Was anybody ever arrested there? Or Actually, I heard... Um, I believe it was two years ago, they held a sting operation. 30 men were arrested within a day. At the very location you went to? At the very location I went to. And I think that the most interesting part of that was that it came out afterwards that 29 of the 30 men were married. The one man that wasn't married was a priest. Wow. Yeah. Jack, by talking to you now, I know that every time I drive past a rest stop, I'm always going to now look from the highway and look for those cars at the end and be like, whoa, I know what they're there for. Absolutely. What did you learn from this situation? I took a lot from it, actually. You know, unfortunately, one of the things is never trust your partner. (laughs) Like, you you never know if you can trust somebody. Most of the people I encountered were in a relationship of whatever kind. That's really sad. It is very sad. So... And it causes me to look at people in my own life and wonder what they do with their personal time. But I I mean, other than that, it it forced me to come to terms with portions of human nature that I never really anticipated encountering and never knew existed. And uh, I guess I'm probably a better person now knowing it at a young age than finding it out later on. Okay, Jack, it's time to wrap up this show. And one thing I like to do at the end of every Bo show is just basically say, I'm gay. I'm Brian, and I'm gay. And my name is Jack, and I'm gay. The Bo Show.